Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Movement is Medicine podcast. This is episode 23, and I'm your host, Kevin Carr, and I'm joined today in person by my good friend and special guest, Marco Sanchez. What's up, buddy? I can't believe it took us 23 episodes. I know, huh? We're finally here. This is what happens when you have kids. It's not necessarily always easy to uh, coordinate schedules. However, we are here, and uh, we're in business on a Sunday night. Sunday. So, how was your day today? Good? It was good. We had a little zappy hour. Bailey Zappy got the win for the Pats. Unbelievable. Perfect passer rating. First two games. So, no, you know. the kid can play. There was once a quarterback named Drew Bledsoe who was replaced by a kid named Tom Brady. <laughs> so I'm just saying, we might be looking at the future here. Who knows? Um, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, Marco, obviously a longtime friend of myself, um, former employee at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning, Movement is Medicine, and CFSC. So, those of you listening to this, very many of you are probably familiar with him. Um, but I think it'd be good to sit down um, and talk to him about you know his entire experience in the fitness industry, but um, also kind of more recently what he's been doing over the last few years working, uh, as you might know, he has a gym. Uh, not far from here in North Andover, called the Clubhouse. Uh, kind of his experience about growing that business, especially coming out of it, like right during COVID. You started the, probably the least convenient time. <laughs> August of 2020. Yeah. yeah. And kind of what that experience has been like, as well as your time working um, in Equinox for a short period of time. I think that's a unique setting. There's probably a lot of people that listen to this that work as coaches in a kind of big box gym environment. Yeah. Um, and the differences between that and working in kind of a privatized setting like you or I probably are more accustomed to. So, um, I don't know, maybe first just kind of talk, tell your story a little bit about how you got into fitness and then we can kind of take it from there. Yeah, sure. So I, I keep that part very brief, even though it could be a very long conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did my internship at Mike Boyle strength conditioning in the summer of 2009, which was your first summer coming back as a staff member mm -hmm. and you had done your internship in a way. Um, and I had never really had any experience in any sort of formal strength conditioning or training set up like that before. I was a high school student and first two years in the college kid who went to the gym and kind of like saw the bigger guys or the guys who had physiques that I wanted. And I kind of tried to copy them. Right. I was most more often than not doing body part splits. I didn't know what it meant to do soft tissue work or active mobility or practice motor control or Olympic lifting or ladder drills mm -hmm. and biometric. Like all those things were foreign to me uh, when I walked in the door at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning, which I actually think kind of worked to, to my advantage mm -hmm. because I had no preconceived like thoughts or, or pre-existing thoughts on like how I wanted certain things to run. And as you know, like there could be a little bit of friction sometimes when people come in and they're like, well, this is my way. <laughs> and Mike's sort of like, yeah, well, this is my gym. So, uh, so for me, it was great because like, I didn't know anything. So everything was like, I was like, oh, this is the way you do it. Um, and fortunately I had some success early on in my internship by kind of like looking at guys like you and Dan Gableman and, and Jamie Rodriguez and Nicole Rodriguez and just sort of being like, Hey, you know, what do these guys do, these guys and gals doing that makes them so powerful here, right? Like, why why has Kevin Carr been asked to come back this summer? Why has Nicole Rodriguez been working here for several years? Why has Jamie Rodriguez been working here? And so I kind of just was like, hey, I'm going to do whatever these guys do. I'm going to copy that. First, I'm going to listen. I'm going to watch. I'm going to learn. And then when they give me an opportunity, I'm going to step in and coach a little bit. And then, you know, I'm going to keep doing exactly what these guys are demonstrating for me and asking questions and trying to learn as much as I can along the way. And ultimately that ended in a, in a really nice, um, you know, end of the summer, Mike himself approached me and asked me if I wanted to stay on in the fall, which a lot of people were kind of shocked by. People were like, wow, Mike actually did? Because <laughs> apparently that's, that was Nicole's job yeah, at the yeah. time or somebody else's. Um, so of course, like I was over the moon that Mike Boyle just asked me to, to stay on and work part-time. Um, fast forward over the course of almost 10 years and, you know, you and I are living together for part of it. We're sharing a desk every day. We've got movement as medicine cranking, CFSC's cranking. We're traveling. Um, all is really, really good and great. Um, very happy. And I always tell people that Mike Boyle strength conditioning is like the, the university of strength and conditioning, right? Like you can go to school for health science or strength and conditioning, and that's really great to learn anatomy and kinesiology and, and, and physics and bio and all those things that really matter that sort of make us good at one part of what makes us good at what we do. 
But the other biggest piece is the coaching piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about those 10,000 hours and there's no better way to get exposure to coaching, in my opinion, than at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning. You'll see every type of human, athlete, injured person, different ages, different unique circumstances. And I think having the ability to see all those things and get experience with all those things are what can make you, like we always say, like adaptable coaches become very, very powerful and effective coaches in the long term. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, I got going there. That was my intro to fitness. And Well, you touched on something really important. The number one thing I try to tell the interns uh, when they start is I say, find someone who looks like they're doing a good job here and just copy what they do. Yes. Um, because that's exactly what I did, too. For the, like the same people you mentioned. I would just be like, well, that's how Nicole goes about doing her job every day. This is how Kyle coaches. This is yeah. how Jamie coaches, however it might be, and try to learn based off watching them. You can't go wrong doing it that way. And so when you go into any experience, if you're at a job, whether it's your internship or you're not even in the fitness industry, but you started your job, go find someone who you can copy. Because generally they're, they're going to be the people that kind of help you figure out how to do your job on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, there are that... There are plenty of people out there who, you know, are more than willing. I know like you and I are, are guys who always like to pay it forward. Like people, you know, email me questions or call and say, can I come shadow for the day or whatever? Like I have open door policy. I have open book policy. I like how Brendan always says, I have no secrets. Like if you want a program that I wrote for somebody who has a history of low back pain, email me and I will send it to you. Right. Like I think that's part of doing what we do. Like obviously we have to try to figure out ways to, drive revenue and make money for ourselves but at the same time what are you really doing if you're not actually in this industry that like create a big impact and help coaches and help other coaches help their clients and their athletes as well well ironically i feel like the more that you give away the you, you tend to be more successful yes. like we give a lot of stuff away for free we get like people come and visit i had three different groups of visitors come visit the gym this past week that like they spent the whole day yeah. yeah, like we could have been like, oh, we want to charge you for an educational experience, but these people will 10x it back to us by referring people to CFSC, telling us how great we are. Yeah. Um, and there are coaches that do that. There are coaches those, who charge you to come hang out with them. Yeah, and, and well, there's this scarcity mindset in fitness where everyone thinks somebody stole something from somebody else. I don't know if you were, <laughs> oh, if you were on Twitter this week, but uh, but but like there's this idea, like no idea is original in this field, right? Like yeah. I, I, Milo in the bowl, like years ago, he, we would have been stealing progressive resistance from him for years. So like, I don't think yeah. that, uh, you know, the more you can share probably the better because everyone's take on the same piece of information is, is equally valuable as it kind of progresses. Yeah. I think my favorite thread on that was I saw somebody comment. It was like, so if I coach my son's basketball team, I tell him to run the triangle defense. So I have to give Phil Jackson credit. <laughs> I, was like, I thought it was perfect though. Right. I was like, yeah, that's like really, that, that's kind of like a silly way to look at it. And in fact, this is an industry, I think, where a lot of, like, you know, pe people who are doing a lot of things and making a lot of noise, uh, you know, positively impacting people do give out credit where, you know, I read this in this research article or I learned this from this coach mm -hmm. when I was younger or I saw this on this video. Right. And I think that I think that people dish out credit more oftentimes than not. Mm -hmm. it's just, you're right. though, The scarcity thing is kind of it's kind of unique to our industry and interesting. Yeah. And so. Um, but what was also unique kind of about your career is you've worked in pretty much every setting I have, you've done in homes, you've had a very successful in home business. You've worked in professional sports. You've worked in a big box gym. You've worked in a private gym, you're self-employed, you've done massage therapy. And so, you know, talked to a bunch of our talks. We talked about how being a generalist, uh, it's probably the best thing you can do in our industry. And like, when I think about you or myself or Brendan probably have a really, you know, wide background yes. of uh, things that we've spent time doing. And how has that kind of benefited you to be able to see the whole perspective of our industry, being able to work in all these different settings? Um, now, looking back now, how has that kind of helped you be successful kind of being in everything? Yeah, I think it's been, well, one thing that's really done is that, that I that I really enjoy is like I get, you know, just like you, I, I have a lot of coaches who are asking me about different career paths. And I feel very fortunate that I can provide them with real experiences from lots of those different angles, right? Like mm -hmm. you said, like a lot of people want to get into collegiate or professional sports. A lot of people want to get into gym ownership. A lot of people want to work for themselves, you know, with an online business or like an in-home business and having been able to, um, you know, spend a little bit of time and kind of stay diversified in 
a lot of those different disciplines has one done something that I think you and I have both realized about the fitness industry that that Boyle has done a tremendous job sort of paving the road for us on that is that you kind of have to diversify your income streams in the fitness industry if you want to be really successful financially. Um, You have to have, you know, things coming in in multiple different directions for the most part. Um, If you want to, you know, like we always say, we can't just trade dollars for hours forever. Um, And so a really successful way to to create, you know, the income that you want and the revenue that you want is to, like you said, be a generalist and have your hand in a bunch of different things, you know, have an in-person business or have an online business, have a little bit of both or think about gym ownership or, you know, how are you going to diversify yourself? And again, it kind of goes back to the time spent at MBSC gives you a lot of skills to manage a lot of those different situations. Um, But for me personally, I just felt like before I found my landing pad, right, for where I wanted to kind of really pour my heart and soul into for a long time after being at MBSC, I felt like I should try a couple different things Mm -hmm. to sort of figure out what really I'm both passionate about also gives me, you know, the income that I need. So, so that's sort of how I landed on trying all these different things. Yeah. And again, what we, I always tell our young coaches, like you have to go try these different settings to see if you're going to like it or not. You have to go do internships or volunteer or go just try to apply for a job and you, you might find out you don't like it. Right. Right. But until you try all these different settings and experiences, you won't really know. Like for a lot of people coming in this field, they think, Oh, like professional sports is the end all be all. That's where everybody wants to be. Right. But you haven't experienced professional sports and you probably realize like, this probably isn't how I want to spend my, my every day of my career. Not that anything's wrong with that, but yeah. for everybody, there's going to be different settings. And so kind of what did you learn in, in your time working in uh, professional hockey? So, yeah, so working in professional hockey was, uh, as they say, it's a grind. Like it's a lot of work. There's early hours, there's long days. Um, and you know, you, <laughs> there's always kind of like one thing that I, that I referenced to like, I obviously, I love coaching. I love coaching so much. One thing that I personally enjoy more is helping people learn fitness for the first time or helping people who are in pain because they're really far away from fitness, find fitness. Um, so for me personally, watching professional athletes who are really, really good at everything, like do stuff really well, wasn't too fulfilling for me personally, mm-hmm. right? Like, handing out training programs and then going and watching guys execute pretty much every lift with perfection, because that's kind of what it takes to be a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, There's less coaching involved and there's more science, I think, involved in that. And for me personally, like I, I like to be more active and hands-on and and, um, in more of a troubleshooting role um, as opposed to a, you know, build these programs for these guys who are already really, really good at stuff. Um, So for me personally, that kind of didn't fill my, my cup the way I wanted it to. So it was kind of an easy decision for me. Like, Hey, I'm really grateful. I got this awesome opportunity. It was really fun to try it. Um, but I know that this probably isn't what I want to do long-term. So I I made a move out of there. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, a lot of people, they think like, that's where I have to be, but ultimately you want to figure out like what energizes you every day. Cause regardless in this industry, you're going to work a lot of hours, whether you're in the private side or you're in the professional side, it's a grind regardless. Yeah. Uh, so find the one that makes the most sense to you um, from there. And so uh, talking about settings is like you also worked at Equinox for yeah. a while, right? And yeah. so you were a fitness manager, correct? Yeah. And so kind of talk about that experience, what you learned and what was different uh, for you kind of working in a big box setting as opposed to being in a private gym environment. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my head, I'm like, make a sense of this. All right. So the, like the truth is, um, you know, I understand the role of the fitness manager has to exist in a big business like Equinox. Somebody has to be that person. Um, for me reading the job description, getting an understanding of what that was going to look like. I felt like I was going to have equal opportunity to both do some of the things that I wasn't crazy about, like sales and managing training staff and things, which I understood. Like, I was like, I know this is part of my role and this is part of my job. Um, But I also, you know, was kind of led to believe that a big part of my job was going to be providing education and helping trainers build a business 
by developing their skills as coaches, mm -hmm. not by micromanaging how they email their clients, right? Yeah. And so for me, it was a bit it was a bit challenging because like you and I know, if you want to be successful like in as a fitness professional, there are two of the biggest boxes that you kind of just need to check in the beginning is like number one, like people have to like you. Like yeah. it, people aren't gonna pay you to, to hang out for an hour like if you're an asshole. And the second thing is you you have to you know, you have to just be confident and, and know what you're doing as you're delivering a fitness product. It doesn't even necessarily have to be that great, mm -hmm. but because we've seen people who, you know, can do it, but you have to be able to have some skills in how you develop programs and how you assess people and how you take people through progressive resistance and or whatever other things you want to do. And so for me, I really thought I was going to get to experience and opportunity where I'm delivering a lot of that to the young coaches and young trainers. And for the most part, I was doing the, the, the prior stuff, right? Yeah. I was making phone calls. I was checking on trainers to make sure that they were on top of their stuff, uh, more logistical stuff and less tactical X's and O's of training. Mm -hmm. Um, so I managed to create a little space for myself where, you know, I got to do education type stuff with my team two days a week, there are like 50, 50 plus trainers at this location. So for like two different days per week. And I essentially taught them all the things that I thought made MBSC really great, right? Like I taught them all the things that we think are important. Um, and the trainers loved it. They loved coming to these educational workshops. They loved having a manager who made them feel like the manager was there to teach them and support them so that they could be better at, at the product that they're delivering, not to be like, Hey, did you, uh, email Sally Jones because she hasn't been in two weeks and I'm yeah. wondering where the revenue is from her, you know, from her personal training package. Um, so they really enjoyed that. So I always say like when I was walking out the door, I was like, Oh man, I was like, I am the Equinox's worst fitness manager of all time. <laughs> but I was like, but the trainers, the trainers loved me. Right. And they did. And they, they got better and they grew and they came to me and asked questions. And now I know all of them and I see them off in the world doing great stuff. And one of them works for me now. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's great. And another one used to work for me part-time. Mm -hmm. So it's great. Yeah. I think it's like when you're in a large business like that, you're right. Like the, everything around them has to come back to the bottom line and then generating revenue and then pushing sales. Uh, but that probably takes the wind out of the sales of like putting in edu money in towards education and, and uh, think about developing these people as coaches right. more so as developing them as like just revenue drivers, right? Because the, at the end of the day, they have to do X amount of sessions or drive as many, do as many sales as possible. And I mean, that's the reality for a lot of people in this, in this business. And so how would you tell someone who is working in, whether it's Equinox, Crunch, Golds, one of these bigger gyms, what do you think for someone in that saying, what would you tell them to be successful in under those, that environment, what they need to do as a coach? Because it's very different, I feel like, than being successful working at Mike Bush leadership. Yeah, I mean, I, I think right. So now there's there's a there's a couple different like factors that you have to consider here, and I think that at MBSC, right, we got to really just focus on like education and art of coaching, right? Like we guess we you know I've sat in a thousand staff meetings, and it's like for the most part, ninety nine percent of the time we're talking about training. Yeah, and then we might spend like you know a short period of time talking about you know how to keep our customers engaged, how to keep our customers happy, or like doing follow ups with you know lapsed clients and things things like that. But if you really hammer the other ninety nine percent first, and you're a nice person, you don't really have to spend a lot of time on that. No, right, and that's what I kind of would emphasize and even try to emphasize to the higher ups at Equinox. I'd be like, listen, if we just make these coaches really, really good at coaching and really, really confident in their delivery, we don't have to chase them around to be like, Hey, you know, how many sessions are you, are, you know, did you reach out to this old client or whatever? Is it because people are going to come and people are going to stay yeah. if the product kicks ass. Right. And so I think it was kind of funny. Like I felt like, you know, they're putting the, the cart before the horse or however the, the yeah. phrase goes. Right. And I'm like, no, you got it backwards. Like, let's take all this time that we invest in, you know, the salesy stuff and invest that in education of coaching and training. And then we're not going to have to do as much of that. Yeah. Right. So I think for that person who might be in that situation, like you said, that Equinox or that crunch, it's about for you as an individual kind of finding that balance between 
you know, how much of my time do I want to invest in my coaching continuing education? How much of my time and money do I want to invest in, you know, learning about sales and customer retention? Mm-hmm. And then how much of my time do I want to, you know, invest in myself outside of that, right? Because I think that was one of the other biggest pieces that goes by the wayside is, you know, when you're when you're in such high demand to work so many hours or meet a certain expectation in terms of sessions, your own self-care kind of gets put on the back burner. And once that happens, like we know, like you're, you're toast. Right? Yeah, yeah. You can't pour into other people if you're not getting your own training sessions in or you're not getting your own sleep in or you're not having your own, you know, whatever things you do outside of work that mm-hmm. make you tick, family, you know, whatever those things are. Um, so I think it's kind of about finding your balance in those three spaces. That's a really good answer. Um, cause I think sometimes people get into those settings and that's what burns them out. Right. Like I said, yeah. we trainers, you see, I, I, it's happened to you and I, it's happened to everyone that we've seen work. Uh, people go through that whole kind of burnout phase where they work, work, work. And then you see the quality of their coaching go down the quality of their client relationships go down and you can see it on their face when they're exhausted on the floor and they don't <laughs> want to be there. And then, you have a lot of people that you lose in this industry because they they just can't continue to live that lifestyle. It's not really sustainable. Right. And so as you grow in this career, you find ways to manage to balance those things. And it's never perfect. Some days you're going to work a lot. Some periods you're going to work a ton. And then you, but you learn how to check in with yourself or see the signs of I'm starting to go off the rails. Like when my, I know like when my truck starts to get messy on the inside, <laughs> it means that I'm working too much. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm looking, I like see shit on the floor. I like, okay, this is a sign. <laughs> right. Um, banana peel. Yeah. Yeah. Like something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's how, that's when I start to think like, okay, if I can't take the time to clean up my own vehicle that I drive in every day, then uh, I'm probably doing too much. And so, uh, one thing you'll learn if you're going to stick in this industry is the, when to put the brakes on, when you can accelerate, and then how to how to kind of recharge when you need to. I know Brendan has gone through this multiple times too, and he's talked about it as well. Yeah, it can be tricky because what we do is so sort of outside of the traditional work space. You know, like we don't t- typically like strength conditioning coaches and personal trainers don't have PTO, and yeah. typically, you know, you don't have a certain amount of vacation per year. And so, like you said, like it can be, and also when you have the autonomy to make your own schedule, right? Like what's yeah. really easy to fill as a coach, five, six, seven, eight, nine AM. What's yeah. also really easy to fill as a coach, four, five, six, and seven PM. Yeah. Right. So that's why a lot of people find themselves working split shifts, getting up super early, staying up super late. Uh, but like you said, like you almost have to treat your your work life as you do your training, right? Like checking in with yourself, being like, oh, am I overreaching right now? Because if I do, I might burn out. And you've seen it. We have now been in the industry long enough, you and I, where like now, like whether it's like Facebook or Instagram, like I'm seeing people, I'm like, oh, this person used to be in the fitness industry and now they're doing this. Or now they're, right? Like you said, like people burn out. Like we lose a lot of people uh, in this industry. And and it's because it can be difficult to, you know, maintain uh, the lifestyle. And it can be difficult to kind of get ahead of steam going with income. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You're like, uh, you like, you see these people who kind of burn out. And what I kind of tell our younger staff is that, like, you need to literally intentionally schedule yourself on your own schedule. So, like, the first thing that goes when you're really busy is your workout, yeah. right? So I just put it on the calendar. Yeah. Right? Here, this is the time I work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is when I eat my lunch. Like, if you worked at a regular job, you would have a scheduled lunch break or you would have every 15, like, you, you have 15-minute breaks or 30-minute breaks working your day. You have to do that on your own. Um, because if not, like you work 12, 14 hours straight, like I, I've had days where I've taken like 14 straight clients before and I don't want to ever have to do that to myself. Again. Remember my, my old Tuesday, Thursday schedule yeah. is 5am to 6pm, no breaks. Yeah. And you're like, just the, the classic strength coach lunch, like you're slamming stuff in your face <laughs> in between clients. You're like, oh, there I go. And you just yeah. put, a, put a sandwich in your face and like chewing it. And then you're like <laughs> hammering coffees because your nervous system is just freaking going through the roof yes. and like, I don't want to live that way anymore. So <laughs> you have to take the time to be like, Nope, this is when I do like my admin work. Like I don't want to come home at night and write programs. I want to write them during the day. Um, I want to spend time with my family when I come back here. And so if you're going to grow in this industry, being intentional with your time and scheduling every single thing on your, like I live off my Google calendar. If it's not on there, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so putting everything in there, I think that's the only way. Cause if not, 
when the clients keep coming, it's a good problem to have, but you'll just schedule yourself right out of your own life. You know? Yeah. I think what, and you and I actually recently talked about this, like another thing that I, I've realized actually works really well for me. And this fairly new in my world is that I can't train where I work anymore. No. Like I, I, I literally cannot like, the place I go to work is not the same place I go for self-care. Yeah. So like I own a gym 30 seconds from my house. I drive 12 minutes to Methuen to go to Planet Fitness <laughs> to train there. You know why? Because it's not my job. Nobody there knows I'm a coach. I put my headphones on. I do my thing for, you know, 90 minutes. Nobody bothers me. Not a word from a human. And that's like my self-care time. Like that's my my personal time and I, and I love it. I, I've been trying really hard to set the lunk alarm off. There's nothing, <laughs> there's been nothing. I have like egregiously slammed the 75 pound dumbbells into the ground. Cause those are the heaviest ones that they have. Yeah. And I'll like even look over. I'll be like, please fuck, do the fucking I've been going for months. And then finally I was, it went off the other night. And of course I was in the damn, Did it actually? well, I was in the, so, no, I was in the locker room. So I was like, shit. I've been waiting, and I, I see this, and and I don't even know why it went off. I don't. Even oh know my why. god! And you get the pizza and the bagels when you go there. Okay, so people have been saying that I have not seen a single slice of pizza or a bagel there ever. So it's either false advertising or some like, <laughs> or some some rumor that's going around that's not true. Because trust me, if there were pizza and bagels, I'd be hammering. Them. I'm gonna march right in there this week and ask them about <laughs> when they do the free pizza. Um, <laughs> I have not seen. And then go slam something on the floor on <laughs> the alarm. Um, no, but I think that's also true is you might think like, oh, you don't want to work out of your own gym, but part of the self-care is changing the environment that you're in because like just being in your business, you're going to be thinking about all the things you need to do in your business. Yes. Oh my God, I should go do this. I should do this. And it's very easy to just cut out. Whereas you have to take that time to go to another location to exercise. Yes. There's something psychologically about that, that one, you're going to still do it. And two, you're separate from the thing that causes you stress or you're thinking about all the time anyways yeah. just a change of environment is really 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 important and so like i go to boston sports club yeah um sometimes i get out i go there work out go pick up the dogs after it just gives me you know maybe 30 45 minutes there it's all i need but it's a like a reset button right because if i'm at the gym at night working out i'm going to talk to every single client i see because that's what i'm there for the gym's busy i'm going to start to see things i need to do i start to do those all of a sudden i didn't get my workout in yeah. And then I waste the time and I didn't exercise. So yeah. I think sometimes it's it's good to invest, like you're investing in that membership. Uh, it's not like you're going to break the bank on a Planet Fitness membership, no. but it's an investment you're making in yourself. So yeah, and you know me, buddy. I'm like, if I try training at Clubhouse, I'm like doing a dumbbell row or something. Like ah, that window needs to be cleaned. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't get through the training. Set. Like I couldn't. I couldn't. You can put a program in front of me. It would take me four hours to. Finish the, the workout because I, I'm too distracted, like you said. And so you mentioned Clubhouse, so your gym now, you've been in business for a couple of years now? Yeah, a little over two years. It was two years back in August, so two years and two months, and uh, it's been a ride. What is, yeah, so I've seen it grow, right, to right. the point where you've had to hire people now yeah. to help work. Um, what was that experience kind of starting from scratch, right? Like you went into a place where you built and designed the facility, you outfitted it. It's not like you had a turnkey operation, like you had to start from zero, right? Yeah. And so what was that experience like having not done that before? I mean, you, you first time real business owner. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so first of all, like asking a lot of questions, right? Like people who I knew, obviously Mike and, you know, asking Mike Perry, mm -hmm. you know, questions on when they popped up and, you know, even Jason and Lauren, when they were still running their physical location in Somerville, I remember reaching out and asking them some different questions. And, and it's, it's a lot, man. Like there's a lot of things you don't think about until like you're in the weeds of it and you're like, oh shit, like, I gotta get insurance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I gotta have gym management software. I've gotta have, you know, I've gotta figure out the schedule. I've gotta figure out, you know, how do I, how do I manage all these different pieces? And and, you know, at first it can be overwhelming and then you start to get systems going and you start to get a rhythm. And then as soon as you get a rhythm, things change, right? And you just kind of find yourself in this ever evolving situation, right? Like I started and I was using mind body for a little while and that was working for me. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is not working for me. So then you got to go through like, you know, jumping through hoops to switch how you manage software and how you manage client communications. And, um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, right? When we started Clubhouse, 
uh, in the middle of COVID. Well, it was like six months in, right? COVID started in March, roughly, and we opened up in August. Um, one thing that was that I kind of had going for me was that because we were in, you know, within 20 miles of where I had previously worked and trained a lot of people, I knew I was going to have some revenue coming in. Like, I wasn't just like unlocking a door and being like, man, I hope people show up, right? Yeah. Like, I knew we were going to have some steam rolling. Um, and I think the thing that really, again, like, I just, I keep going back to it, but I, I wouldn't if it weren't true. The thing that really, you know, helped is that, you know, I got to see how a private facility with both groups of adults, or not both, all groups of adults, groups of athletes, and personal training, and massage therapy, I kind of got a really good glimpse into how that all worked at MBSC during my time there. And I wasn't in the business of reinventing any wheels, right? Like, I was like, okay, I know if I want to run these groups on the hour that, you know, this is how we're going to break things down. We're going to spend 10 to 15 minutes warming up. We're going to spend, you know, five to seven minutes throwing things. We're going to lift weights for 25 minutes. And then we're going to condition hard for 15. And I was like, this is a really, not just a really effective way to train people, but also a really effective way to run a business. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I already had a lot of the pieces in place in terms of like the tactical X's and O's of how we were going to train people when they showed up and how we were going to manage groups and personal training. The trickier part was figuring out, um, you know, like I said, all the different logistical pieces of gym ownership. Mm -hmm. Like I'll tell you like the most, the most classic gym owner story of all time. It is the day I'm supposed to be meeting perform better at the gym in the morning to install the equipment. The flooring has been put in, the turf has been put in just waiting for the, the crew to show up to put in the racks, dumbbells, Kaisers, everything. And like, I unlock the door. I walk in probably about 15 minutes before the gang was supposed to show up. And there's just like ceiling tile all over the floor, soaking wet, like from the drop ceiling. So it had rained a ton the night before. And had, there was a small leak in the roof. It had soaked through into some of the ceiling tile and fallen to the floor. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, I'm like looking around. I'm like, well, there's no one else here. <laughs> That's like, better, better get a mop, I guess. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm like, this is my business. Nobody else no, can clean nobody, it. Nobody else going to clean this up, right? And, but again, like, I have good memories to leverage on that. Like, we always talk about, like, catching Mike in the dumpster. Yeah, right? like, exactly. Right? Like, Mike's in the dumpster at 4.30 in the morning stomping on boxes because he's like, gets there. And he's like, well, nobody else is going to do this, right? Like, yeah. even though he probably could have other people do it for him. Yeah. But that's the sort of, like, sort of don't step over the piece of trash idea that I think if you if you go into gym ownership, like, it's kind of like a hard pill that you have to swallow. Just know that, like, if you're in this in the beginning, whether it's, like, just you or you and a partner, like, you, you and that person or just you, you are everything. You are it. You are janitor. You are fucking ceiling repair guy. You are coach. You are everything. Um, and so I think sort of accepting that and knowing that you're going to be managing all those different things um, can be challenging. Like at first I was like, Jesus, I'm like really good at coaching and rehabbing people, yeah. but I have no <laughs> fucking clue how to, you know, market or do any of that stuff. But you, you start to pick it up. And then of course, if you do a good job and you run a successful program, people are going to tell their friends and their friends are going to come and that's sort of how we've done it. Like we have, we have unlike like MBSC, we have not spent really any money on marketing or advertising or anything. Um, we have just, you know, Eric and I, we, we show up every day. We work really hard. We coach really hard. Uh, we care about our clients and, you know, people tell their friends and people come. We're also very fortunate that we are abutting a chiropractor's office. Um, probably, you know, I know several chiropractors. This guy's one of the best I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, he has a, you know, a background, he's a high level athlete himself, background in athletics. Um, so I think he looks at movement and training through a different lens, sort of like we do as a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a really nice sort of give and take going on there. So he's had a really su successful business for a long time. Um, so he has obviously been super helpful for us by referring a lot of patients of his patients to come see us. So. And so you grew really organically via word of mouth and client referrals. So you're telling me you didn't grow your business uh, with a Facebook uh, from some guy, Facebook marketing guy who DMs you and says he'll get you a hundred new leads in one week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cursing on your podcast. Like literally fuck those guys. I used to be so good at just ignoring people. Now every time it's like some 19 year old kid. He's like, Hey coach, uh, just curious. Are you make it 10 grand a month. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Are you making $10 a month? Like 
you're a little kid. Yeah. Don't even talk no, to me. No, you also miss first. He says, hey, first they always warm me up. They butt it up with a message. Like, hey, I really like your stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I see you've been in the fitness industry. How long have you been doing that? And then when you answer, that's then, then they say, do you want to get 100 new leads this week? Sign up for my uh, my marketing workshop this week on uh, Facebook Live. Yeah. And then they have like all these like fake pictures and videos of them like in their dad's Maserati and like, like with- standing in front of a Corvette <laughs> like this. Yeah. yeah. What I'm going to tell you if you're running a business, you don't need some marketing expert to help. You don't need to do a mentorship with someone who's going to teach you how to market. Just do a really good job. Ask for referrals. The best way to get a referral is to tell your clients you want more clients. Yeah. They will go find your clients. They're like the best advertising and marketing thing you have or the people that you already have. If you do such a good job with them, more people will keep coming. No. And also like you need to like I'm sorry if people disagree with this, but you you gotta give the first one away. Like give the first one away. Like I I can't do it anymore because of the volume. But in the beginning, I was giving every single person who even was interested in joining the gym, even if they were already like, hey, listen, personal training is not in my budget, but I'm going to join a group. I was like, that's okay. I don't care. I'm giving you 60 minutes of my undivided attention, you and I. Like, give the first one away, whether it's in a group or whether it's personal training. Like, even if you have, like, an intern or somebody who works for you, have them, you know, pay them to do it, right? But have them run it. And honestly, like, I think think that – once people get to experience, you know, the way you do things and if the way you do things is, is elite, like we like, like, we like to think it is, right? Yeah. Then people are going to be like, oh, this is unlike another fitness experience that I've had before. Mm-hmm. This is different than when I went to these other places. And I think that's going to work really, really well for you. Like, I don't remember, like, exactly what it was, but for how long. But there was a large period of time. I want to say it was like 14 or 15 months. Right, like a ninety-seven percent closing rate, oh. like on my on my leads, right? Yeah. Like through the through the system, the system was telling me like I closed like ninety-seven percent for the first year plus. I could remember that there was only one guy that I gave an hour of my time to, and I never saw him again. And he just he texted me, and he's like, "It was great, I loved it, but I'm just too busy. I, I can't, I can't do it." And I was like, "Okay." Like I was feeling pretty good about the, those numbers, like bad a thousand. Whenever someone commits to doing a free session with me, I say it in your head, you're like, I got it. I got you. Because it's very rare in my experience that, yeah, they're going to be willing to come do a workout and then they're going to leave and be like, I didn't like that experience. Yeah. Maybe it could be price or it could be availability, like you said, that would turn someone away from sticking with it. But I pretty much am always certain if I can get them in for that session, yeah. they're going to want to stay here whether they want to come in a group or they want to do one-on-one. So it's a worthy investment. I tell our young coaches all the time, you should be out there talking to people. Like we have, we have the facility up in Milton and unlike our Woburn facility, we have so much foot traffic Yeah, because there's multiple rinks. There's an indoor basketball court, indoor soccer, court, soccer field, and there's tournaments there always like thousands of people coming through there on a daily basis. And I say to the coaches who don't have PT up there, I said, you have no excuse to not have PT <laughs> because you could literally stand outside with a, and I have someone starting to do this now with uh MBSC table, tablecloth, and a sign that says, Ask me a question about fitness. Oh, that's awesome! I love that. Like, you know, ask me a question, me and the guy that yes, says, the thing. I love that. I was like, You should literally just do that, and you're gonna just have people talk to you. Have them hold a sign that says, Knees can go over your toes when you squat, change my mind. <laughs> I'll have like people that are like, Dang, <laughs> and but I'm like, You know, I guarantee you, you will get clients out yeah. of that. Because you have all these parents who trot their kid there for their practice, and then they just sit in the stands or just sit and wait right. on the lobby. And I'm like, they could be in there working out. But a lot of people don't even know that they're in there, that gym right. is even there. So I'm like, you get all these people. You have to go out and that's the best sales marketing you can do. Just go develop a relationship. Try to help these people for free. Offer them a free session. I guarantee you it will work. Yeah. Well, was, <laughs> I told you in the group text, so I'll tell the story. Yeah. There, uh-huh. So so. My gym is is there's a chiropractor right next to us. On the other side of the chiropractor is a CrossFit gym. I had a guy walk in at like eight fifty nine on Friday morning for the nine a.m. class. And and typically I know when people are coming because they sign up for a free trial on the website. I get pinged and like I see yeah. and they they sign their waivers and everything electronically. And they just walk in, they're ready to go. Um, and I knew someone new was coming, but I, I remembered it was a woman's name. And so I saw you know I saw somebody walk in and a guy walk in. It's like hey. I was like, I'm Marco. And he's like, hey, I'm Gary. And I was like, hey, Gary. And he's like, this is CrossFit, right? And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, you know what? The CrossFit's just two doors down. Like, let me show you where it is. And it was pouring rain. So I, like, kind of, I basically took him to CrossFit in a way that he didn't have to go out and around. And I kind of, like, made a joke to him as he was leaving. I was like, ah, you'll be back. 
And uh, then sure enough, five minutes later, he comes walking back in and he goes, ah, they were closed or something over there. And he started to leave. And I go, why don't you work out with us at the 9 a.m. group? Jumped right in, closed the sale that day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Like, you know, like you just, you gotta, you, gotta, you never know who's going to walk in, first of all. Yeah. All right. And, and second of all, um, you kind of, you just have to, you have to over deliver, like in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is one of the things that can make doing what we do challenging. I, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like, you know, let's say you're having a bad day or a bad week or, you know, you're in a, a fight with your spouse or you're, you know, you've lost a loved one or something is, is really getting you down. Like, if you go and you work a desk job, like, for the most part, you can kind of carry that with you all day. Like, you can mm-hmm. sit there at your desk and you can be grumpy and you can get your work done. Like, when we go to work, like, we have to put everything aside. Yeah. Right? Like, you can be in the worst mood of all time and you still have to walk in there and put on a performance while delivering a high-quality product. And I know that could be really challenging, uh, but it's just kind of thinking about it that way has sort of, um, you know, helped me to remember to at least stay in that headspace. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you got to, I remember, like, we when we had our office, like, I'd be, like, going out there, I'd, like, put my hand on the door, and I'd be, like, I'm so fucking tired. And I'd, like, swing <laughs> the door open, and I'd be, like, let's go, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like fist in the air, like, let's rock yeah. and roll. People had no idea. And I think that that's like part of, part of, you know, part of doing what we do. Well, and it's interesting because we, and this is something I've started to try to think about myself, like on days where I'm tired or maybe I'm not in a great mood and I got to go coach. Um, and there's a science that shows like if you act happy and you smile, it scientifically actually makes you happier yes. from a chemical hormone release standpoint because it triggers this all this, the same uh, dopamine and serotonin release as if you were actually happy. So if, say you're tired and you're like, I don't know if I want to coach today. Like maybe you were at a wedding and you partied all night last night and you have to go and coach at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And you're going to be tired when you get up. But if you go in there and you say you, it's almost like the fake it till you make it. You actually feel better as the day goes on because you get that energy back from the people that are there. Um, if you, I feel like if I try to fight it, then I end up just being miserable all day. Right. right? Whereas if I go there, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go and be extra positive and extra uh, enthusiastic while I'm there coaching today. I'm like, oh, I feel better as the day goes by because we are in a business where there's a lot of energy transfer. Um, and if you have clients that kind of fill you up and don't drain you, yeah. um, then you usually feel a lot better at the end of the day, right? Yeah. I like that term they use, though, because I, I talk about this a lot, especially, you know, like <clears throat> when I'm when I'm talking to young coaches about managing that energy transfer because it can be really challenging, especially if you have clients that, really take and and don't have a lot back to give and that is okay right like that that tends to be um you know pain clients Mm -hmm. for us too like and to even think about the idea that like we're putting our hands on people who are in pain and like taking some of that energy from them right and like that can build up in you over time so so i think like (laughs) there have been days like not gonna lie like where i've just been like on the verge of an emotional breakdown because I'm like, Oh, just sometimes it feels like you have an entire community of humans, like that you're forklifting, right? Now, yes. Right. Like you're like, it's up to me to keep all these people spirits up, to keep them happy, to keep them healthy, to keep them moving. And that can be really, really taxing, which kind of goes back to what you were saying about making sure that you find and continue to maintain that space for your own self care. Because if you don't, like you, you're not going to be able to carry anybody else. If you're not carrying yourself, you're not going to be able to carry anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen coaches where you can be like, oh, that person is like, their personality has changed because they're so beat up and tired. And, they've, <laughs> and like over the course of their career, and you're like, yeah, I'm like this person uh, like completely uh, like drained themselves in this career yeah. because they didn't do that. And they didn't manage their relationships and boundaries with their clients. And so one thing is you got to make sure a good way to manage your energy is to just have boundaries set that you're comfortable with because sometimes these people do depend on you so much that they become almost dependent on you mm-hmm. um, to the point where you're like, uh, like it's not a professional relationship anymore. You're literally exhausting me on a daily basis. And so being very clear and that's been, I, I know I've gotten better with in my career as I've gone on is being like explaining to them, Hey, like this is how we communicate. Like uh, you email me or you text me or uh, you don't call me at all hours or, um, this is like, this is how we're going to manage our training relationship. Because if not, these people do become like your friends. Like a lot of your, right. but I mean, who else do you spend more time with, uh, per week? Like, I can't think of anyone, um, that I see like three hours a week consistently on a regular basis. Like, 
other than like our clients, right? Right. Your wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your kids. Like, but no, but you're right. Like, and the way we kind of have things set up at Clubhouse too, like with our adult groups, we have some adults who come in five days a week for adult group training. Right. And we, we manage the volume and the load and the intensity for them in specific ways that allow that. But like we, you know, that's a lot of hours with some people and you, you're right. You have no choice, but to become close with them, um, because of just sheer time. Um, but like you said, managing the expectations around boundaries, I think is super important. And like, I'm not afraid to not text people back and it's taken me some time to get there, but then also like, you know, it doesn't have to be in a, in a, like a passive aggressive way or an angry way, but like, I've done a really good job at communicating with new clients. Like at the start, like, Hey, just so you know, like Tuesday and Thursday afternoons is when I tend to be home doing admin work. So you're going to hear from me then about scheduling stuff or like you can expect to see that email where I was going to send you those homework exercises that I want you to do sometime on Tuesday afternoon. And I think kind of laying that out for people, because like you said, it can be easy for clients to like text you on Friday night and be like, Hey, should I have this for dinner? And you're like, um, like, are you on the platinum package? Cause if you're not like, <laughs> think, so, like honestly, like, and yeah. I like this, this is true though. Like, and you have it. I, yeah. I know you have it. I have it. There's some people who are on that platinum package. So like, yeah. you know, you're kind of like, Hey, you could call me at midnight and you can tell me that you blew your back out. Like there's a good chance of getting in the car. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. pay for that, right. You pay for that. Um, but, but I think that, like you said, like having some of those expectations set or, and having those boundaries set is going to be something that keeps you from becoming agitated and annoyed with your clients and mm-hmm. keeps you from getting burnt out, um, keeps your career moving in a more smooth fashion. Yeah. You think about like, as you got more mature in your career, you get more comfortable communicating clearly to clients about expectations and boundaries. And so like another thing I was talking about coaches, and this always happens with young coaches, they're not good about cancellation policy. They're not good about rescheduling. Uh, and like, so the, the client who cancels last minute and then you don't charge them yeah. um, or the client who always ne- shows up early or always shows up late. Yeah. And you, you realize like how valuable that like 15 minute break you might have as, as a strength coach, if your client shows up early or wants to stay late, like that's probably when you're going to eat your lunch. Right. Right. Um, like those little things matter. Yeah. Right. And so being very clear with clients at the beginning, like, Hey, I have a 24 hour cancellation policy. I understand if it's an emergency or if you're sick, that's one thing, but you know, work is not an excuse for you to cancel on me right. um, or whatever it might be. Right. Something came up uh, being very clear about that stuff. Cause a lot of the stressors and things that exhaust coaches over time is dealing with those little micro things all the time. And so one thing we, with our coaches now actually wrote a template for them. Uh, like a, I wrote like a five email or communication template, like Perfect. first communication with your co- with your client, um, your second communication, your follow-up, all like the procedural things. And I said, I don't want you guys to think. I want you to just take this email. Hey, you just got to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and say like, like, um, hey, this is how we do training in MBSC. And this is how we communicate there. Because for me, I know I've had so many, I had a lot of headaches with that until like I started to be better about being like, no, this is like, this is yeah. how the gym runs. And they actually appreciate it. Like you said, a lot of times if you actually communicate clearly from the beginning, yeah, we get rid of any uh, miscommun- chance of miscommunication later on that might cause a problem in a client. Right. And, and, and I think for the most part, honestly, like the client isn't doing it on purpose. Like they don't realize that yeah. they're one of 25 or 30 or 40 people who might be sending you similar text messages like during weird hours yeah. or might be, you know, kind of overstepping that boundary. Like they don't think about that so much because to them, you're their whole fitness world. Yes. Right. But when you think about your fitness world, you have all your people in there, right? Like yeah. all your clients, all your coaches. So when they, when they think about fitness, they only think about Kevin Carr. Yeah. When Kevin Carr thinks about fitness, he thinks about all of his clients, all of the CFSC yep. coaches, all the MBSC staff, right? It's a much different perspective. So when, like I said, like when you can lay that foundation kind of early and again, the client doesn't realize necessarily that they're doing it. They're not doing it to be, aggressive or overstep any boundaries or feel like, Hey, like I'm paying you for personal training. So yeah. you should text me at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. Like you, you just kind of have to like, let them know. And in a nice way from the early, from the get go, then like you said, you can avoid a lot of uncomfortable conversations later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we covered a lot of topics there. 
Um, and, and there's one thing that we always do at the end is we have our book recommendation segment. So I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't even remind you about this. Okay. Um, but Brendan and I always usually pick a book to recommend and we put it in the show notes. And uh, you know what? I didn't really think so. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to pick one that I like. Uh, there might be a good one over here with a guy on the cover of it. Oh yeah, it's upstairs. Actually, it's up. It's upstairs. Um, actually, I do like this one. So, um, making literary literary life. If you're not, uh, you know, watching this on YouTube, I'll put the picture in the show notes uh, by Carolyn Carolyn C. And so, it's all about like how to be a writer. So, um, not necessarily about writing as much as it's like how to make a life as a writer and like how to make it a habit. Um, it's just like basic advice. It's a little kind of short chapters and stories. Um, and like how to, you know, get started as a writer, like how to submit a manuscript, how to put something together, how to do a first draft, how to do a second draft. I was really good. Very, also very well written as you would expect from someone who's a writer, writing a book on writing. So that would be my recommendation this week would be making a literary life. Okay. Oh, I have to make a recommendation. Yeah, you do. Oh, okay. So currently I'm re-diving into... The anatomy of breathing. I can't remember. Yes. I can't remember who the author is. Yeah, but it was like it was the so fir- French name, isn't it? I don't remember, but it's it's like the PRI Myokin prereq. Yeah, like they want you. Yep. To, they want you to show up reading that. Um, and to be honest, like my thoughts and ideas around PRI and around breathing have evolved significantly, like over the course of however many years it's been since mm-hmm. taking the first PRI course. Um, but one thing that I've realized, um, as of late, cause I've spent a lot more time, uh, like focusing on some of the non weight room related pieces of this, right? Like one spent a lot of time over the last like two years, really into the cardiorespiratory side of things and like getting into some more lifespan behavioral modifications, mm-hmm. some of that like Peter Atia type stuff. Um, and so one thing I wanted to revisit was that anatomy of breathing because, uh, I've noticing with my clients in their whoop data, like we all do, yeah. we all have whoops and we all kind of are in like this little team and everybody's yeah. going to keep an eye on each other. One of the things that all my clients have reported better outcomes and we can see it like in the, in the data is if they've just re- remembered to put in some sort of breath work or some sort of breathing work in their daily yeah. habits. Right. Because I think we, for a long time did what a lot of other people do is like anybody show up, it's like, Oh, you know, you, your left toe hurts here. Well, I'm going to get you in this 90-90 position. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were on a flight somewhere. And the most classic Steve Bigelow joke of all time, we were on a flight somewhere. And the flight attendant came up, or the, the captain came up, and was like, is anybody on board a doctor? We're, we're having a medical emergency. And Bigelow was like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, let's just go get the guy in a 90-90 position and have him do some breathing. Whatever's wrong with him, they're clear right up. <laughs> right? But, like, I think we've all been down there. Anyways, the long and the short of it is that um, I'm seeing a lot better um, average HRV scores in the morning, um, more time in REM and deep sleep, mm-hmm. and just better resting heart rates throughout the night when I have been – encouraging my clients to do any sort of breathing practice for a couple minutes before they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, positionally or getting into anything weird. Um, just do some practice, some square breathing or some, some deep basal inhales and some long, slow mouth exhales. Um, and so getting back into anatomy of breathing has been good. Nice. All right. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, as we wrap up, what do you have anything coming up? Uh, no, just working. Just go working. check out the clubhouse. North Andover, Massachusetts, on Instagram at the Clubhouse. Find me at not Mark Sanchez. Uh, that's about it. Let's awesome. Go Pats! Yeah, go Pats! And House of the Dragon, episode nine. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody.